From the studios in Omaha, Nebraska, welcome to The Other Kind Radio. My name's Jeff. I'm uh, one of your hosts. Welcome to a special Memorial Day episode. Um, Happy Memorial Day. Thank you to all that have served and are currently serving and will serve in the future. Um, We do appreciate it here at The Other Kind Radio. And uh, it's always nice this time of year to kind of, you know, be driving around the neighborhoods and everything and see uh, the flags and the parades and everything. So it's also kind of the official kickoff to the summer months. So happy Memorial Day. Well, oh my, it's been a long time since we've been all together. Todd's still in makeup. He always takes a little bit longer uh, than I do. Uh, to get through that process. So before he before he gets out of that and onto the show, uh, I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in again. Uh, got some great feedback from the little teaser that I recorded there. I actually had to run that 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 uh, past Todd and uh, asked him if it was over the top or not uh, for me to get on there and and do something a little silly for everybody. So thank you for the feedback on that. Um, not much to cover in the way of things. I was on a business trip in uh, Anaheim for a week, so that's one reason why we kind of had a break. And then we just had some scheduling conflicts here where uh, uh, Todd had stuff going on. I had uh, work stuff going on, so uh, we apologize to the kind listener. Uh, we really are trying to get these shows out on a regular basis as we want to continue and grow our community, um, which is growing. It's, it's pretty amazing. So... Um, we will continue to uh, uh, improve our uh, efficiency in getting these shows out. <clears throat> Speaking of shows today, before we get Todd on, we've got a lot to discuss today. So get comfortable, put your headphones on. I've had listeners tell me that they uh, clean their apartment or house while listening to the show. Some people work in a garage. So this will be a perfect episode to just kind of have on and chill out. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to uh, do our usual uh, Todd's take on. Jeff's judgment on, but we're also going to talk a little bit about Yanni versus Laurel, that kind of weird social thing that's going on now. Uh, I've seen Deadpool, Todd hasn't, but I'll uh, give a little initial thoughts about it. And for those of you that are out there, don't be concerned. This is a spoil-free episode. We are not going to give any spoilers away. We're just going to give some initial feedback and um, hopefully influence whether a couple of you go out and see those movies. We're going to talk a little bit about Solo, uh, which we've both seen. We're going to introduce something that, uh, funny enough, was on the screen while I was waiting to watch uh, one of these movies I've been to, and that is uh, this Fantasy Movie League. We're going to talk a little bit about that and then extend an invitation out to all the kind listeners to join. And, um, you know, I've never been a big fantasy sports kind of person, but this looks kind of fun. Uh, So we'll talk about that. Uh, And then we're going to start the introduction to the AFI, the American Film Institute list top 100 Todd's going to give us a little bit of history on where that came from, what it all is involved with it. 
Um, as it will lead into our next episode where we'll start discussing those films that are actually on the 100. So, lots to talk about. I'm, I'm getting the, they have this red light that flashes whenever uh, Todd's ready to come on. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and see if I can tune him in here. Get the right frequency. Okay. I think we might have him. Todd, Todd, are you there? You always make me sound like I'm the high-maintenance person in the whole world. You know, I don't need red light. I just need consistent light. Oh, consistent light. Well, yeah, consistent lighting. Usually red means danger, so that's how we went. When we... Is that him? I'm the danger element of the show? <laughs> the unknown danger. I thought it was a calming element. However, you've never been caught playing with Star Wars figures, so I guess that, that kind of blows that out of the water right there. Um, uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and here I am sitting in my lovely little private sanctuary in my house with uh, Star Wars figures on the wall over there, too. So That's right. I forgot about that. Very moment. And, and thank you. Uh, real quick before we get started, thank you for, for taking the time to listen to that. You're such a busy guy, and I'm sitting there mucking around in the studio and come up with the idea to, to do a little teaser since it had been a while since we did a show. And I'm, as with many people that that do this type of stuff, um, or, or maybe not, maybe it's just me, but I'm hugely insecure when I do silly, goofy stuff like that. And I actually had to call Todd to run it past him. And so I played it for him. And what did you say it was? It was cute? I thought it was cute and charming. And I tell him, I said, <laughs> I know you're going to probably balk at me saying cute but i said it's cute it's clever it's charming i liked it i yes you do get insecure whenever you do things like that but the funny thing is how often do i encourage you to do things like that every time yep. or none of the time which what's the right answer i forget i don't know <laughs> the right answer i just you know it's just it was it was an idea it was kind of a quick thing but thanks for uh for listening because i'm sure you were right in the middle of doing more important things and I was painting a room for my daughter, which I shouldn't oh. be doing uh, as it is because I got a bum shoulder. But you know, what color? What, what color? What is the color? A gray, because all little fifteen-year-old girls apparently are into the color gray. Well, then I am a fifteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old little girl. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you finally, come clean with me. And, and for those kind listeners that are out there, it might tell a little bit of difference in uh, Todd's voice. It's it's not because he's finally uh, gone through puberty or uh, anything else. Uh, he's invested. He's taken some of his hard-earned cash and invested in a mixer which uh, I think sounds great and is also going to benefit your other podcasts that you do. No no reason not to give them a shout-out, the uh, Plan Minute of the Apes. Um, are you guys getting ready to start Season 2? We are. We've. I, I think we have one more recording session where we'll put about five to ten more episodes in our bank, and then we'll launch it. So what we're affectionately calling Beneath the Minute of the Apes will launch, I think, in two weeks. Well, you know, if you need a if you need a special guest again, uh, you know, I might be able to think of somebody. Well, that's funny because I'm going to bring you on because now that part of the reason I did invest in this was oh. that having guests on is so much easier now <laughs> than the cool. old antiquated ways that I was doing it. So you're going to be a part of it. Oh, me. cool, cool! I can't wait. That's that's always fun. I like I like doing those. I mean, we've talked about doing a minute uh, too. You know, one that I found that hasn't been done. Well, I don't know if I should say it out loud, but you know, Memento, the movie Memento. I have oh not God. found a memento yeah. by the minute. That I like it. That movie's so crazy, though. I mean, <laughs> it would be a lot going on. Well, well someone's doing Groundhog Day, which I thought, oh, oh good lord, that would be a tough one too. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, welcome to the show. I hope I hope everything's going well for you. I noticed I didn't start asking you how you're doing at the beginning because I'm now going to take a drink of coffee. So the next eight to ten seconds are brought to you by Todd. <laughs> Todd. So, so what I'll, I'll elaborate on is, as Jeff said, this past week has bordered on craziness to the point that Jeff, you know, had a few things come up. Hey, work's done this, blah, blah, blah. And then finally we've set a day in stone. We're going to record. I'm I've scheduled off the evening and at about two forty, my wife calls in a panic saying, Todd, we have to get home. Our next door neighbor has said that there are an infinite number of utility trucks around our house, including firemen, first responders, saying you have to evacuate your house because somebody severed a gas line right behind your house. And when I got home, the description of all those trucks was incredibly accurate. Um, I was not prepared for the number of people swarming my house nor was I prepared for the sound of a gas line just making this almost jet like oh really pumping gas in our house so we we ended up being evacuated from two until 8 30. um we had to go board the dogs we had to oh lord go wherever, uh, right away you know it's like do not turn the light on do not open the garage door we had to open the you know the door from the house into the garage to get the dog leashes to get them out of here oh my god when you walked in there that that rotten egg smell they insert natural gas so you smell it yeah oh my god it was overwhelming you couldn't breathe in the garage by the time we came home six hours later the whole house smelled of that but they came into gas meter readings and said there's actually no gas it's just that odor you're smelling right right was, was like, <laughs> oh holy hell so this uh, weekend trying to get together this episode has been a challenge but i'm so glad to actually finally be here yes yes I, i'm almost picturing the scene out of uh, et when they swarm into the house to uh kind of like that yeah yeah were they wearing white suits uh, a number of them all had uh, white shirts and jeans and little hard hats and when we actually knew that it was a pretty safe situation was when we came back about five hours later and i saw a couple of them smoking out front i thought okay if they're smoking they've sealed off the gasoline <laughs> It's okay, folks. <laughs> Boom. You know, I'm glad your house didn't blow up. That would have been that would have been awful. But yeah, I mean, that's just the crazy stuff. We get it set in stone. We're all in sync, and then you know, then uh, then you know, somebody hits a gas line. So until we until we make a living off of doing this, that's just the way it's got to be. Occasionally, which, you got to stop down to live life. Right. Which I guess is what we have that schedule for next Tuesday. Was that when when are we doing that? When we're doing what? When we're uh, going to be start just living off of this. It's next Tuesday, right? Oh, next Tuesday? I'm sorry. I actually <laughs> thought it was today. Did, oh. <laughs> did you forget to break that to me? Oh, well, that'll be a happy day. That'll be a happy day. All right. So I, I, I told Todd I've come up with some new uh, a new little intro for him. So uh, uh, here we go with uh, Todd's take on. And Todd's a big film guy. So let's get that projector fired up. There we go. And now we can get Todd's take on. What's your take on today, Todd? Well, of all things, it's not film. It's a book that is inspiring the current very lauded The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. The novel named The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. The reason I wanted to bring this up is that I, I love understanding how an adaptation works. Um, you take that original source material and translate it. So I had read The Handmaid's Tale back in college and loved it and at that time you know and i'm i'm gonna admit that was in the the late 80s early 90s when i read that uh dystopian fiction was out there but it wasn't quite the prevalent thing that it is today so it at that time it felt very challenging 
the thing that I'm immediately taking, I'm about halfway through it. Uh, Margaret Atwood herself actually does a foreword to the novel and gives a lot of the inspiration. She does not like science fiction. This this show, uh, I wouldn't call it science fiction. To me, it's future fiction. Um, it does have some conceits such as that the, the procreation uh, of the species has taken a hit, that there are only some women who are fertile and they're, they're made into handmaids and, and almost put into slavitude. Um, the amazing thing is, is listening to what she, or reading what she wrote at the first, I'd never really thought about how she is so disciplined that everything that happens in it has to have an ounce of reality to it, including the fact that she almost takes on the prose of Anne Frank in the famous diary that she wrote while hiding out from the Nazis. Um, it is a fascinating read, especially if you're watching the show. Another thing I never noticed, the show assumes that the main character's name before all of this happened was June. Margaret Atwood points out, I never named the character. It's just at one point I say we all used to have names and the last name that is given is June. So everyone has assumed over time that she gives her name last. It's just, I love seeing these things where someone who's adapting something takes little bits and makes it work. It's an ex. If you like the show, excellent read. If you've not seen the show, it is a very dark show, but watch it. It is outstanding. It deserves all the accolades it's getting right now. So you're recommending people read the book? Very much so. Okay. It's it's one of those books that it, it's challenging to read in that it, it expects you to pay attention, right. but it's easy to read because her prose is just so approachable. They're, we're not talking super wordy. She does have a rhythmic style that's a little, to me, reminiscent of James Elroy, who wrote um, LA Confident, the book L.A. Confidential. Oh, okay. Based on, if you ever read his stuff, especially after that, he almost takes on what he considers words with jazz where it's one word sentence, you know, and she'll do that occasionally where it's a one word, one word, one word. And it's a little odd like that, but once you get into it, she's an outstanding writer. So now have you watched some of the show at least? Uh... I have, and I'm up to date. Okay. I, I okay. The show, I think the show's outstanding. Is it pretty close? I'm sorry. Is it pretty close to the book? I mean, other than the name, the June name thing, I mean, is it, is it pretty accurate or did they stray pretty far? No. Uh, so what I remember is that season one of the TV show is pretty spot on accurate to the book itself. Season two is taking liberties and moving on, but they've actually consulted her. Right. And said, will you help us expand this world? And I, I yeah, I remember, I think you even brought that up before. So, Okay. All right, so for those of you that, uh, you know, have some time, you want to do that old-fashioned thing and read, you know, then make sure you check out The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, that's way too loud. Let me turn that down. I got, Wait, I got, some, I got new software. I'm trying to get, this is supposed to be the projector shutting down. There we go. I'll get that worked out. And since it was a book, those are actually just pages. That's how fast Todd reads. <laughs> that's how fast I read. Yeah, it's just going, shooting through it. All right, Handmaid's Tale. Cool. Um, we'll move on to Jeff's judgment on, uh, this was, um, I think, uh, a little, uh, hotter topic for me, uh, coming back from Anaheim. So, you know, I, I travel a lot, so I spent a lot of time on, um, on airports and planes and waiting and all that stuff. And, and for some reason, um, I got, uh, addicted and probably listened to some real cheesy music over and over and over and over again, um, while I was in my travels. One of which was this song. Weaver, I you can get me the 
which is the epitome of, of cheesy. So I listened to that song and then would follow it up with this song. Yet again, another really, really cheesy song from 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 way back, years back. And, you know, uh, having friends like Todd and Steve and 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 my father, who who is a, a music aficionado, if you will. Uh, and we even discussed it a little bit on our last uh, uh, the music uh, musings. Um, I, I have to admit that I do feel uh, a little uh, uh I feel a little uh, guilty listening to those songs, but man, I like them. Uh, and obviously had it on a, a loop uh, for those hours and hours I was flying back from Anaheim uh, to Omaha and listening to that. So, um, you know, I just, just want to share with the kind listener, you know, cheesy music is out there. It's okay to enjoy it. This is at least what I kept telling myself as I was listening to it. And, um, I, I'm crying, I'm sure. Um, have a tear sailing <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't cry um i think from here's if you really want me to break it down here's what it is. so when i'm on the road what i do is very very stressful so and and it's different every show i do but it's i think a way for me to mellow out and it's, I don't know why I listen to it over and over again. I'm sure we could get somebody on here that's uh, more um, uh, educated in the, in the ways of the way that the mind works. But I'll do it and I'll start tracking and I'll start sharing it with the, uh, with the kind listener and with Todd uh, a little more. But it is something that intrigued me because I realized after I had had it on repeat and see Anaheim to Phoenix is an hour and a half. Phoenix had about a half hour layover. Phoenix to Omaha is two and a half hours long. So it was a probably solid good four hours that I listened to that song um, or those songs. So did, did you have do you have any memories with those specific songs? Um, oh, I love both those songs. I remember growing up hearing them. And, you know, as, as soon as you start saying cheesy music. I can't help but throw in that I love John Denver, and I I get vilified for that. Really, I, I, people that blow me up because you know not exactly the deepest lyrics in the whole world. But I grew up thinking, God, I I, I kind of want to be able to sing like that. First off, I'll challenge anybody to tell me you didn't have a great voice. But there's something so easy about it. And to your point, on those days when life is a little too hard, you put on these things, and they're they're like a good comfort food to me. Right. And it's kind of like, I don't, I, because I, I don't have any specific memories of those songs. There's not a song that, you know, I listened to when I was dating somebody or, or something big happened in life. So, I mean, it, to me, it, it was just, a, it was a little out of the blue, but boy, I, you know, I was, I was eating that up. So, um, cheesy music folks, it's okay. You can, you can enjoy it. And uh, especially when you have your headphones on and everybody thinks you're probably listening to the latest, you know, oh, well, I don't know. Does LL Cool J put out albums anymore? I'm I'm so out of touch with modern day music. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's Jeff Judgment. Jeff Judgment is listen to that cheesy music. It has a place too. Not everything has to be the uh, blue jeans. You know, uh, that was. Uh, I, I am so lost right now. What was that? Was that Bob that, Dylan? No. <laughs> that was Bob Dylan. Okay. And my father is currently signing paperwork to dis disown me. He's I know he's had it at the ready. 
He's, I was about to say he already had it drawn up. Yeah, he's he's pull, he's pulling it out of the pneumatic tube, huh? Yeah, and because nice. they've got a hot button for that, <laughs> sealing it up and making that. Thump yep, yep, maybe, yep, yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's the last time you make fun of Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a musical genius. Um, all right. So that's Jeff's judgment. Now we're going to go to something else, and I know we're a little late on this, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Are you familiar with this Yanni versus Laurel thing? I am. Okay. So I think I've uh, already closed the uh, <laughs> tab I had open to play it. So let me um, <laughs> let me bring that page up real quick. And so you said you you your daughter brought it to your attention or you saw it on social media or whatever? I had seen it on social media and I kept kind of ignoring it going, God, not another one of these. But I knew eventually... And it happened that my daughter, Abby, would say, Daddy, what do you hear? And so Jeff asked me this morning, what did you hear? I don't recall. That's don't how remember. disengaged I was when it, in it. So when we do this, it, it will be but what like did, a first time for me. But what did you mean by another one of these? I, I was unaware that there were any, any other ones like this. What I don't even mean like something oh. you hear. But you, do you recall that... Uh, that picture of the dress that the blue went dress, white wow. dress. Yes. Yeah. I got gotcha. That's what I mean by that. It's one of these things where everybody goes nuts for a few days. And I, I usually don't dive into these too much, but you know, again, it's, it's the fun of having a kid and it's fun for her. So we do it. But All right. I'm, so I don't remember what I heard. So here, here, here now let's go ahead and listen and then we'll see, we'll see what we hear. Here we go. Laurel, 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 Laurel. All right, what are you hearing? Laurel. Okay, I'm hearing your Laurel as well. I don't know how you could get Yanni out of that, but um, I'm sure we may have some kind listeners that are hearing Yanni, and if you do, please feel free to drop us a line, info at theotherkindradio.com, Jeff at theotherkindradio.com, or Todd at theotherkindradio.com. I, I, to me, again, this is, and, it, and I've, you know, there's 8,000 videos I'm looking at YouTube right now that explain it. Don't really want to dive into all that, but I did... Um, do a little bit of research and I've come up for my own, my own personal one for you, Todd. So, okay. <clears throat> um, you know, just take a deep breath, uh, make sure that go ahead. Well, I didn't hear that. Go ahead. I'm bracing myself, I'm bracing yourself. Yes. Um, get relaxed, take a deep breath, maybe turn your headphones up and then, and then tell me what you hear. Okay. So I'll count it down and then I'll play the file. Okay. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Citizen Kane is overrated. Citizen Kane is overrated. Now, what did you hear? I heard you dropping a challenge at my feet. <laughs> so I heard Citizen Kane was overrated. I just didn't know if you heard like... Oh. I'm sorry. I, I what I heard was Jeff has no understanding of film history. <laughs> Jeff has no understanding of film history. <laughs> All right. I'd see, and that's so different. Laurel, Yanni. I mean, that's a whole different mind. Mine, yeah. Isn't mine was this. What's that? Isn't it weird how one hears falsehoods and other hears truth? I... <laughs> well, that was that was my bit that I spent all week trying to plan and pull off, <laughs> and it was still kind of lame. Very good. Very Thank good. You. All right, um, so we're 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 good there. We're Yanni, Laurel. Let's get some feedback from the listener there. Now we'll go through uh, kind of I guess some current event kind of stuff. So um, I'm sitting in a very proud seat right now because I have seen Deadpool two, and Todd hasn't. No, I haven't. 
are you going to see this? I'm going to try and go this afternoon, depending upon what the day delivers. Oh, okay, great. Um, so I went to see it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, I, and you know, all the you know all the movie theaters now, you have to pick your seat and you go in and sit down and everything. So I'm really excited about seeing this. This is pretty qu quickly after I got back from my uh, business trip. So I'm ready. You know, I've, I've put down the uh, sailing and I've, I've put away Dreamweaver and I'm ready to, to, to watch some good comedy and whatnot. And um, I get my this was a hot dog and nacho show with a Dr. Pepper um, because they didn't have Mr. Pibb. And I get into the movie theater and I can't remember what seat I've got. So I've got my phone on. I set my stuff down. I set the phone on. I look at my ticket and I'm saying, you know, something like, you know, hey, I'm talking to myself. Hey, dumbass, you know, you might want to know what seat you're going to be in before you get into the theater because, um, you know, that's what every other intelligent person would do on the planet. Now, mind you, it, it's an early showing. So my understanding is that the movie theater is empty and that I'm giving away the end here. And so I look and I'm like, <clears throat> you know. Uh, oh, I see I'm in, in seat F4, as in uh, look before or uh, look for your seat before you go in the theater, dumbass. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of poking fun at myself and everything. And I turn off my phone and I put my <laughs> I put my ticket in my pocket. And there is a guy sitting literally two seats down <laughs> staring at me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. And he goes obviously and i said well i i apologize for disrupting your your pre-movie you know routine i will now sit down and and be quiet he's like no worries but um it's been a while since uh i've made an ass of myself like that uh prior to a movie starting i i know your struggles with the movie theaters <laughs> and the pre-movie type stuff the funny thing is now as you've already said, you inserted yourself into the astom of it. And I, but at the same time, Jeff, not that big of an offense. There are so many <laughs> other things that happen. I, I, I will get into what feature film I've seen this week, but it's funny because let, let's make this the segment of talking about prep for movies. I thought of you because the film that we, my wife, my daughter and I saw, we were running late as always. I love my wife, but she does not understand how to be at the door on time. She, <laughs> she would admit that if she were here. Um, we run in last minute and immediately the trailers are started, which is a blessing because I don't have to sit through them. However, I thought of Jeff because all I heard was the stupid seat. <laughs> oh my God. All the way through that. It was like musical chairs yeah. of up and down. So the Astom doesn't belong to you. The Astom belongs to who invented that stupid footrest? That's stupid. Yeah. Who needs to lay down and watch a movie? Exactly. Well, we'll get into that definitely because, um, again, no, this is spoiler free uh, Memorial Day Monday. Um, um, just what do you think of Deadpool? Yeah. Go see it. it. Very, very few times does a movie like that come out, and the second one is just as good, if, if not a little better. Um, they have such a unique. Um, I say unique, but it, you know there are goofy movies out there. But to me, the delivery is unique. Uh, the fact that that Deadpool constantly breaks the fourth wall to me is enjoyable because I that pulls me into the movie. I will say, what crying I was supposed to have 
had seeing A Quiet Place, which we uh, saw yesterday, um, I was let loose in this this movie. In Deadpool? Yes. Oh. <laughs> now, it might have been because I was tired and from the show and been listening to Sail, <laughs> Sailing and Dreamweaver uh-huh. nonstop. But... Um, Yes, uh, there were there were tears shed, but great movie. Go see it, Ryan Reynolds. What those guys have have got going, and sadly, you know, good things like this, like the British version of The Office, you know, they're just going to have to stop because at some point there's going to be another producer that comes in line or some other Hollywood type of uh, rules and regulations or, or formulaic thinking. Um, that's going to ruin it, but go see it. I hope you get to see it today. It is, uh, very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Awesome. I, I can't wait to see it. I loved the first one. It was a surprise to me because I kept thinking, ah, this isn't going to be as good as they said. Great movie. So I can't wait to see this one. And had, and I, I hope I I don't want to, I don't want to create a bias situation here, but I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on pop culture references. Okay. Because they did something there that I believe was different than what was done in Ready Player One. All right. I, I, I will keep an open mind and make mental notes as I watch it. Fantastic. Enjoy. All right. Awesome. Ne- on to the next movie that's uh, all over the place right now um, that I, I have seen. Uh, Todd saw it uh, yesterday uh, afternoon, which is Sol- uh, Solo, uh, a Star Wars uh, story. Not to be... Uh, confused with the movie i think that came out in the 90s called solo with uh, mario van peebles in it that was an awful movie did you see oh did you see no the- automatically i'm just gonna say no why are you even bringing that to our podcast mario peoples were bringing him into the podcast i was I had no idea there was a solo movie my plan was to was to just go in and, and start well you know i thought it was weird when- <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to shoot my wheels off yeah, weren't you yeah um you first T- tell me tell me what tell me what you thought so Star Wars for me, and I've said this before, Star Wars is that, that awakening moment in the 10-year-old me when I saw the original and it was uh, my dad raising me on these things. It was the moment when I was officially hooked, loved it, propelled me through life. I have not loved every one of the new Star Wars films. There were things I liked, uh, Force Awakens, I, I like it a lot. I, I liked Rogue One. I thought a little bit in the middle of it was a little slow, a little sluggish, but I liked it and I especially loved the end. I despised Last Jedi. I, and it's not just from being a Star Wars geek standpoint. I just thought it was a horribly constructed film. So the reason I bring up all of those opinions is I went into this with my expectations. It wasn't lowered. It was simply like, I have no expectations. I think Ron Howard is a very gifted filmmaker. I still think Apollo 13 is just an outstanding film. And I thought if he can bring his aesthetic to Star Wars, he can do a great job. And guess what? He surprised the crap out of me because to me, Solo feels like star wars more than any of the new films have to date um i've i've read criticism saying that the young star who uh portrays han solo is not doesn't portray it like harrison ford Well, well guess what it's not harrison ford and if you could go back 30 years in my past the 18 to 20 year old me would be very different than the one you know today well said i thought he brought exactly what it needed to have to it an innocence and the ability to see where he's going i i thought it was great a ton of fun i was shocked as i watched it that i loved it as much as i did you what know, about you yeah and i know in these things that we're supposed to have um 
contradictory contradictory uh, opinions because that would create uh, a little more tension. Yeah. Um, but I'm right there with you. I went into watching this movie expecting not to like it. And interestingly enough, based off of what you said, it was because of um, Rogue One I thought was good. Um, I am in agreement with you that the last Star Wars movie was... Um, less than than favorable in my opinion i mean it's still star wars so it's i don't know it's 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 kind of like uh riding a, an amusement ride that you've ridden a million times or, or something that maybe it's a like to your favorite ride there's still the thrill and the excitement but maybe because you've ridden it so many times you know it doesn't have that adrenaline rush of of what you're used to um, it's not as fresh Right. Yes, it's not as fresh. <clears throat> and um, Ron Howard has, I mean, to do to have such a varied uh, a, a palette of work, uh, if you will, is is truly an indicator. And he has he has really climbed up a couple notches in 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 my um, opinion as far as really good storytellers right okay so i didn't say the word director because that's that's what hit me todd on this on this film it was a story yeah and there was no you know there was there it, it wasn't trying to be star wars i think that that the original star wars and then empire empire they were they were still new they were new fresh they, were, they weren't trying to recreate anything then you had the last jedi that came in and kind of tied it up and then there was obviously probably some money on the table and Luke Lucas probably want to do something, but then the, the CGI came in and then it was trying to create the environment and the feeling. And those three movies were awful, not only by just awful acting, unfortunately, but, but I think bad script writing. And then we had the reboot, which, you know, that could have been a two hour shot of a ice cream cone melting with, with the Star Wars theme music playing behind it, and I still would have been excited to see it. Which is pretty much a great description of The Last Jedi. <laughs> right. Right. Because we wanted so badly. I mean, in the, in, the, in the Empire Strikes Back, we got Yoda teaching Luke the ways of the Force. And, and yes, it's the Force, right? And it's, and it's already, unless you allow yourself to, to really um, just go with the story, it's kind of a hokey thing. And really, when Luke was slapping or tickling her with the with the leaf and and that just ruined it it shattered the the imagination the storytelling to me because then it was kind of then it was him making fun of it as well which yeah. you know he's the last yoda well i think your point about ron howard being a storyteller is incredibly on point it's what they've forgotten in Star Wars, for whatever reason, you know, there are all there's a great video on YouTube about how Star Wars was saved in the editing room. Well, I, I it's a great video because it really shows people to me what editing can be. It's not just cl putting clips together. It can be oh that scene that we have here at minute twenty eight actually belongs at minute thirteen, and when you do that, it now puts this connotation to this and this and this. People that do that and say that George didn't somehow do it himself, yeah, he did. Every film has those moments where actually this this scene was meant to be in the last third of the movie and we moved it up here and because of it in fact three billboards had that moment if you've seen three billboards where she talks about truly what happened to her daughter was meant to be played at an earlier point of it and they say it changed the whole feeling of the film they move it to the end hmm. 
that kind of thing, you know, I don't want to, it's to me, I, I'm not going to argue with people about that George Lucas is not a good director. He, he's done great things. Uh, American Graffiti was great. Star Wars was great. You know, a lot of people say that he even directed Return of the Jedi by, behind Richard Marquand. Um, the guy knows how to do things. Whatever it was with the prequels that he lost his way, no. he didn't. He was not, you know, you can, you, to me, you can make the argument that he lost his way when he went and negated Han Solo shooting first in the original Star Wars by making Greedo shoot first. That's when you don't understand what character is. That's what you don't understand where their actions say something about them going forward. That's where he lost his way. And he took that aesthetic to the prequels where it, the characters didn't have attitudes. They weren't, to your point, they weren't willing to contradict each other and have the tension in a scene. It's almost like Ron Howard went and said, I want to go back and make the world that was in A New Hope. And that's what he did because the characters mean something to each other. They have relationships that work. There's romance that works. We haven't had, I mean, God, you think about the romantic interludes and the prequels. Oh, that was horrifically painful. Oh, Lord. And this is from the guy that also helped to construct the scenes in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indiana Jones and Marion fall in love together. The man had, and that was also Lawrence Kasdan who wrote Solo. They understand that you've put people in tumultuous situations and they can have a tender moment. Well, that's almost like that's the very uh, makeup of this film is that understand we've had tension, tension, and now yeah. we're going to have soft. I, I was joyous, and I don't get overly joyous over romantic scenes, but there's a romantic scene in yes. this between Amelia Clark and the, I, I can't recall the kid's name that plays Solo. Um, that I thought, oh my God, it feels like it belongs in the Star Wars world. Everything about this feels time and time again like it, you're in the Star Wars world. And the reason I bring that up is I think those that have come in and given this bad reviews actually need to remove themselves from the prequels and the disappointment of other films and realize this fits. The others didn't. Alden Enrich. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no, no. Yeah, it's not. It's not the easiest name in the world, and I knew as soon as I tried to pull it from my feeble memory that it would. I would butcher it. You know, you you've touched on so many things, and and not to not to give this is not going to give anything away, folks. Um, but you mentioned Guido and who shot first. There's there's no doubt in this one, um, who yeah. shoots first. Um, and 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 you you touched on so many things there, and and I, one thing that crossed my mind while you were talking that I've got since you're the film buff, um, did George Lucas do anything after Star Wars, not Star Wars related? No. Hey, now he's been involved in producing, but not directing. Yeah. And the, the whole thing that he says is that he intended to keep making small art films, and that was part of the reason he sold off the Star Wars and, and rights and all that kind of stuff and the Lucasfilm rights. And he's obviously not gone to that. I I think it's pretty hard not to become jaded by the Hollywood system. You know, it's not quite oh, the artistic yeah. system that people like to think it is. It's very corporately controlled. Yeah. And it has been from the beginning. And, I th and that's part of the reason that he stepped out of the Director's Guild. He didn't like people telling him what to do. And I admire him for that. That's, that's somebody going in on their own and proving you can do it. Um, but but, but I, th I think you got to look at why he did it. Right. Because, I mean, if you look at his is his his body of work, you know, he had some interesting films in the beginning and then he came up with Star Wars and then he just dived full head into that. And has been quoted as saying he'd rather work with CGI than real actors. I mean, did he yeah. did he quit because he wasn't 
able, did he quit the, the guild because he didn't want to answer people's questions or he felt like, you know, hey, I'm the guy that invented Star Wars, therefore why are you questioning me? Because, and before you say something real quick, let me, let me finish this real quick. Because um, I think that the reason why Solo works so well is because Ron has a varied body of work. He's worked on comic stuff, comedy stuff. He's worked on some serious stuff. And I think that when you're trying to tell a story, just like in comedy and, and um, songwriting, as, as you do, you know, if the only thing you had had was a, a peanut butter jelly sandwich and that was it, and you had to, you know, that was, and you had to write a song about sandwiches, then, then, and this is probably the dumbest comparison, but I mean, that, that would be all you know. But if you have a variety of sandwiches that you have experience with, then you're going to pull a little bit from the pastrami sandwich. You can pull a little bit from the cheese and sandwich, you know, and, and be able to put that and, and meld it better together. And I, I'll let you speak now, but I just wanted to get that out. No, and I'm sorry to have stepped on your point. That's a very valid point. I think Ron Howard is one of those few filmmakers that does have an understanding. You look at that, you know, where he started as a child actor up through Happy Days and things like that. He has been a part of so many type things and learned from, you know, Gary Marshall, who obviously was a, a very good storyteller in and of his own way. Um, so he learned a lot there and he brings that aesthetic to this you know and the reason i keep using the word aesthetic to me that's the the director's number one thing they have to understand you can have directors like gary marshall who aren't i want to use this lens i want to do this i want this film stock that that's not who they are they're they're simply telling a story and they understand so your aesthetic your understanding of what belongs where and how it goes together and your choices you make is equally important as your understanding of the mechanical nature of film and i think ron howard has both right He's outstanding. I thought the film was shot beautifully. Yes. I thought there were moments of, you know, framing shots that, that anytime I ever said framing a shot, it, you know, you go back to what we said about Mudbound all those episodes ago, you can tell me characters, thoughts, emotions, information by a shot. I don't need to hear words. So there are moments in this, and this is not giving anything away, but when Han Solo steps into the frame and it sh we're seeing the side of his leg with his holster in it it's a beautifully constructed thing that you know it, it, it definitely says with this character he steps into a room making sure you know he's armed it those kind of things are beautifully done we've not seen that we definitely didn't see that in the prequels no it takes no time to ever let the scenes breathe and that's one thing this thing does is that's wonderful is that occasionally we just have moments of the characters being characters with one another and feeling each other out. And it, it feels so much more real to me than any of the past ones have. Another good example of, of when that happened, and this doesn't give anything away either, is when uh, Han is approaching the card game and the shot is from between his legs and um, every everybody knows that Lando's in this. So this, again, is not anything that anybody doesn't know. And Lando's framed in between his legs. And I know... I know uh, 13-year-old Jeff is giggling at that description, but that's literally what it is. And I thought, yes. I mean, that right there, that's a movie poster shot right there um, that could be... It's a Western shot. That, there you that go. Is, yes. And this film is a Western in space, which I know New Hope had yes. that direct correlation of Western space. And when I saw that, I thought, yes, this is a Sergio Leone Western moment where the main character steps in and spreads his legs and says, guess what? You're down there. I'm 
you know, better than you. I hate to be that way, but that's what that shot says. And it, it is a beautiful shot. That's a great example, Jeff. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do, I think you hit on some very important things there as far as the, the way that it was shot. I thought the sound was done well. Um, the pacing, I mean, it felt like a wrong, it felt like a, first of all, it felt like a story. It felt like a movie and it, that happened in the Star Wars universe. It didn't feel like here's Disney making money. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? We're making money because it's Star Wars and, you know, we've we've put all this money into it. In fact, one of the interesting things that I heard um, about the movie is Ron Howard, this is the fastest delivered Star Wars mo- movie to date. Wow. I hadn't heard that. So I don't know if they were under budget, but I think fastest delivered kind of is another way of saying it didn't go on forever and there weren't a thousand rewrites and all that other stuff. Now, well, now famously, go some directors got fired, had already shot quite a bit of the film. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they got fired. In fact, the executive producers, Chris Lord, and I forget the other guy's name, had directed the film, and I want to say it had shot quite a bit of it. Oh. They had been very, they're very improvisational. These are the guys that, oh, I don't want to screw this up, so I'm actually going to look at it. They had done the 21 Jump Street films, which surprisingly had, um, gotten great reviews yeah look look that up and while and while you're doing that i'll i'll kind of uh there's two things i want to say real quick one kind listener i know that we're having some audio kind of issues where for some reason with with todd's new board and me talking if we talk at the same time um i cancel him out (laughs) wait a minute that's not a bad thing um so we're aware that todd and i'll try and take a little bit of time in between um our our talking so we're not uh cutting the other person out and we'll look into what's causing that secondly Back to the film. Um, while Todd's looking that up, I will bring up since we seem to be, you know, raining sprinkles and, and chocolates and candies on this movie. I will tell you something that I did not like, and my father and I discussed this a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about the Star Wars movies is the fact that it's usually a large number of unknown actors and actresses, or I should just say actors now, that are brought uh, to the project. Um, one character, and I'll be interesting to. Uh, hear uh, Todd's view on this is uh, obviously Alden. I was not familiar with anything else he's done, so he might have done something else, but uh, he was new to me. Um, but then we had uh, Amelia Clark, who who who's on Game of Thrones, and then Woody Harrelson. And I would say the person that I had the most difficulty um, relating to or getting into as far as being on this film was was Woody Harrelson. I never felt connected to him and his character and my attention and this is probably my own fault was spent majority of the time saying wow look there's Woody Harrelson with a with a pistol in his hand with a laser gun in his hand um I think it might have benefited them to maybe look somewhere else I mean I don't know I'll, I'm sure you have your data now and I'll shut up so you can talk um but I'd like to know your thoughts on that so I finally we found a point of tension because I couldn't disagree more. I thought that immediately <laughs> this in this film is the Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker relationship from the first film. And in, the, in A New Hope, we cast an unknown as Luke Skywalker. We have an unknown as Han Solo, but we cast inarguably the, the most well-known actor from A New Hope was Alec Guinness. So they once again put the most well-known actor in this film as his mentor. And I thought Woody Harrelson has quickly become somebody, you know, between True Detective and uh, Three Billboards and things like that. I I love him as an actor. I thought he was outstanding. I thought he 
provided the understanding for the Han Solo character of the man he will become. Because how often do we have mentors that we don't accept their advice when it's given? Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, he was in Hunger Games. So, So how many times do we have mentors' advice given to us that we all but ignore until at the moment when we fail and hear how their advice would have helped us not fail? And I think that's what that character will become for Han Solo. I thought he was great. But his hair... I thought that was great, too. Lord. All right. Well, that's good that you and I have a different opinion on that. And I'd be interested to hear what some of the kind listeners think, because that was the only real distraction for me in the whole movie was every time he said anything or did anything, I never saw him or whatever his name was. Beckett, I think it was his name. It was always Woody Harrelson for me. Um and I don't have anything against that actor. You you mentioned the projects that he's been involved with. I think he was fantastic in Two Billboards, True Detective. You know, it's so sad they had to start out on such a strong note to have it get effed up uh, later on um, in the series with when they did the second season. But um, I and that's just honest. That's just honesty for me. You know, um, yeah. So the directors, real quick, are Phil Lord and Christopher Miller who, as I said, had done the 21 Jump Street film, but were also directors of the Lego movie, um, Clotted with a Chance of Meatballs. So they had this pedigree of doing things that had a a sense of humor about them, but were very well received. Um, I was trying to see if there's anything else really that stands out. So did he produce or direct? They directed. They they had shot quite a bit of the film, and I don't know what percentage it was, but it was quite a bit. And they were fired because... You have to remember that Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote this with his son, Jonathan, Lawrence Kasdan has a storied career as a screenwriter, having written Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Raiders of Lost Ark, went on to be a director, direct The Accidental Tourist, which is a great adaptation of an Ann Tyler book. He's very respected. Hmm. He had come in and said, I want, you know, fine, you want me to write Force Awakens? I'll do it. But my son and I want to write a Han Solo film. And Hmm. so Kathleen Kennedy who runs Lucasfilm and is a storied producer in her own right, um, says, absolutely. Well, then when these guys come on, they have a very improvisational style. Improvisational style is not what I would say is what Lucasfilm's looking for. Okay. They were changing things. Lawrence Kasdan, the word is Lawrence Kasdan got pissed and said, they're screwing with this. This is going to be a disaster. Kathleen Kennedy was frustrated because they would take take after take after take of improvisation. They fired them, brought in Ron Howard. Ron Howard quickly shoots the film and, in my opinion, saves it. I don't know what their footage was before, but he does Interesting. a fantastic job. That's really good to know because I heard that statistic and I was just piling that on the pancakes of love for, for Ron Howard. It's interesting, though, on the IMDb page, David Leach is listed as the director, not Ron Howard. Really? No, that's Deadpool 2. That <laughs> <laughs> does say director Ron Howard. You know, folks, the Internet's a very special place. And in the hands of the wrong people, you can make stupid statements just like I did. <laughs> I was looking down at the other part of the page. When I was about to throw everybody for a big loop there, right? You thought you had done, uncovered something, a conspiracy. But right. Ron Howard didn't direct this. Right. Turns out I just don't know how to read. Because it says right here, people who like this also like Deadpool. Director, <laughs> stars, Ryan Reynolds. You know, Ryan Reynolds was in uh, Solo, right? 
Um, well, let's follow up that moment of uh, complete idiocracy with uh, with what is my favorite. And I'll let you listen to this, and then uh, you can maybe share yours. But I wanted to play this for you because um, you you know in, in our discussions and doing the show have really opened up my eyes about how to watch film and enjoy film. And this, I will tell you, this favorite moment, and I tied into Han Solo because the movie came out. But really, this is one of my favorite moments in all of my films I've ever watched. Um, but I want you to hear it, We maybe we can discuss it, and you can tell me maybe what your your favorite uh, uh, movie moment is. But here's mine. We gotta find out which cell this princess of yours is in. Here it is, 2187. You go and get her, I'll hold him here. Uh, uh, everything's under control, situation normal. What happened? Uh, had a slight weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have company! Whew. They talk about scenes and chills that always gets me and i don't know maybe why all i know is every time i hear that i'm ready to go start learning how to unicycle or or juggle or something it gets me fired up i i've always loved that moment too that takes me back to being that 10 year old boy when luke skywalker i i even at that time looked at it and thought that's me and here's this wise cracking yeah bit of a douchebag who's over there pulling it out of his butt as he goes and just blast the thing away. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love him because it really is the, ah, oh, whatever. And just blow it up. Oh yeah. Just, just how he's, you know, uh, situation normal. Uh, we're fine here. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I mean like, you know, in the, in the, in the book of uh, how not to, uh, uh, fool the Imperial, you know, officers. And, right. and and I just thought it was in, in credit to the 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 sound editors and everything because the crescendo of, of the music comes in at the right point when he screams you know Luke we're gonna have company and you know it's just it's just it just such to me does such a great job in 44 seconds of, of kind of just a a, a, a a memorable part and again I don't know why it, it uh, resonates so so loudly with me but that is and will always be one of my favorite uh, moments in, in and there are plenty of others too that are not star wars related but since we're talking solo uh just have always liked that do you, can you think of a, a favorite uh star wars or han solo moment uh in your uh in your uh, viewing history i i have one and i even have a, a youtube clip queued up if you want me oh, to try and back yeah I love you. I know. And that's what this new movie evokes so beautifully is that romantic nature yeah. 
with the smart assness. Yeah. And, and here it is that I, as I'm playing this clip, I thought how funny it is that these two guys got fired for improvisation when that line of, I love you, I know was not in the original script. It was improvised. They just turned the camera on Hansel. I'm sorry, Harrison Ford. And he famously went the director over Kirshner. They just started saying, what could he say? And he just started throwing things out, throwing things out. And I forget what take it was. He finally yeah. just said, I know. And they knew they had something that when George Lucas saw it, he famously said, absolutely not. <laughs> that makes sense but then as they went on they fought and they won and here to me just as that line you chose this encapsulates who han solo is that even in his moment when he's sacrificing to protect the woman he loves he still can't be honest he has to be a smart ass there's this veneer this i'm going to protect myself with my my brain right that is it that is it that is a great scene and 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 i think you know the improvisational portion of it, you know, there is room for it, but I think if it becomes the, the, the main, um, what you rely on most to, to create, right. uh, the scene or the, or, or, or you know, uh, as a, um, generator of, of content, then I think you can get into some real, um, some real, uh, trouble because improvisational comedy that's done on stage, <clears throat> While it looks like it's real um, off the cuff, which a lot of it is, there are very, very strict rules at which all of the performers adhere to while doing improv on a stage. Mm -hmm. One of them is you never say no. So if you and I were doing an improv scene and, you know, the setting is uh, a dock and it's two guys uh, there to uh, exchange government secrets and I open the scene up with saying, what a beautiful view. And you say, you know, but it's dark outside or, you know, or you say something contrary to that statement, it breaks it. So a lot of the improv is, is set up and, guide, and, and guided by rules that, that, that you and I would follow while still making it up as we go. But it's that framework that um, allows that type of, of, uh, one to be comfortable in, and then two, um, for the scene to, 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 to progress in a way that an audience would, 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 uh, enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to do improv and, and fly like that, but it's almost like you, it has to be controlled and it has to in some ways be, um, at least monitored and, and massaged a bit for it to, to, to work entirely. Right. So, all right. Well, uh, I think then that's a resounding go see it uh, for for Solo from both both of us. Uh, without question, uh, run out to see it. I can't wait to see it a second time. I can't wait to purchase it. I, I loved the movie. You know, I, I did purchase Clone Wars or not Clone Wars Rogue One, and I do own um, the Last Jedi. Um, you know, as I've alluded to many times, I have plenty of time to watch them um, on flights and whatnot. Still have yet to do so, but like you just uh, said, I'm sure I will get this, and it will be one that I watch uh, a couple times, if not a dozen. I think this will be at least a dozen. Um, you know, worth worth seeing again, and again. All right. Well, good. That was that was good discussion. Go see Solo. Um, we've got a few minutes left here, and and we're gonna dive into kind of what we're gonna talk about next week. Yes, we're gonna have a new show for you next week. And that is getting in kind of into the AFI. And I know the kind listener, y'all have been so patient with us uh, doing a lot of film talk. But based on the, the, the hot 
tracks, if you will, that people listen to. Uh, a lot of them are our film. Um, I think the number one is um, the prediction of the Oscar results show, and in second place is the uh, guess the flick. I, I did get some some good feedback on that. So um, I think before we can really get in and and start discussing some some um, some higher elements, if you will, or some different angles as far as film and 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 the the beauty that that film is. Um, you know, we kind of have to kind of set the bar at which I guess films are, and I'm, Todd's going to word this a lot better than than I am. But um, so there's this this American Film Institute um, that was founded in 1967, also known as AFI, and you know, for the majority of my adult life, I've known about the AF100. Um, I think a couple times I've gone through it. Um, Todd and I are going to kind of go through portions of it and have some discussions about films and why they're there, <clears throat> Citizen Kane. And um, I think before we can do that, we should have a little bit of a, so th <laughs> this will be the part of the show where if you want to, you know, put on your thinking cap and, uh, uh, or you know what, it's it's almost uh, worth it. We can we can get the school bell going here because I think we're flirting dangerously close with, uh, with Todd teaches us. So... Uh, Oh, yep, there's the school bell. It's a loud school bell. All right, all, everybody gather up. we got the American Film Institute as a topic today. Todd's going to teach us. All right, so uh, let's give him a nice uh, warm round of applause. Yeah! I don't know why there's only kids in the studio audience, but that's fine. We're not going to worry about that right now. So, Todd, please teach us about the AFI, a little history of the AFI and the AFI 100 list. So, as Jeff said, the American Film Institute was founded in 67, and that was after the urging of President LB, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson in 65, when he asked, when he was initiating a number of the arts programs that he put in place, asked that we create a film institute with the mission to preserve the heritage of the motion picture, to honor the artist and their work, and educate the next generation of storytellers. The AFI went on to create the conservatory where you actually go to study film. It is one of the most prestigious film institutes in the world. Uh, directors such as David Lynch, uh, Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman, have come out of there. Uh, Mudbound's cinematographer, Rachel Morrison, who I've gone on and on about, is a graduate of the AFI. So you can see that it has a storied career, and that's only touching a few of the people that have come out of there. So I've got a quick question for you. Okay. Is a conservatory, is that like on Game of Thrones, where we sh she, the young, small girl that had the, the stinger, the small little sword, she went to that one place with the people didn't have any faces and she had to like mop floors and stuff like that is that is that what that's all kind of what happens at a conservatory i mean you say study so it's not a university explain a little bit of that to me well <laughs> i don't know how to segue from the girl with the stinger with the people with the faces and mopping the floor what was that character's name do you know uh that is uh oh yes oh my god i love game of thrones because you're throwing me a loop by shifting there i can't i can see your face and why can't i think of it's, it's the all youngest part of my plan star. folks it's all part oh, of my screw plan. it screw it we're not going in it so the conservatory actually is a degree program you get a master of fine arts when you walk into their conservatory you can you can declare yourself in one of six disciplines being cinematography directing editing producing production design or screenwriting so these people will go in and they get a very two-year intensive degree and studying and the, a ton of these people go on to be just 
world-class filmmakers, you know, and I've already mentioned a few, Darren Aronofsky graduated from there, Terrence Malick, which it's a little bit more of a film lover's director, but he's made some outstanding films. Um, Arya Stark, by the way, that's her name, Arya. Thank you. So, so Terrence Malick makes Days of Heaven, The Thin Red Line, and The Tree of Life. He is a filmmaker's filmmaker. He is great. Um, you've also got Wally Pfister, who was the DP for Memento, The Dark Knight, and Inception. So these are some world-class filmmakers coming out of this place. But that is not the sole objective of the AFI. As LBJ said, he wanted someone who would preserve film history. And you have to think about this. In 67, we didn't have internet movie database to accumulate all of this knowledge, they actually started creating a catalog. And I think that was in 68 that they started creating the catalog that logged American films so that we would have this repository where you could always look and understand the history of film. So would any film that was made be put in there? I mean, even if it was something like, I don't know, American Pie or The Disaster Artist or anything, was it if you made a film, it was in that book or did it have to be deemed good enough to be in that book? everything they catalog everything because it's the same reason you know we we have any other things for the arts we want to preserve an american legacy of artistic endeavors but that, but it's got to be published by a major motion picture house no, right no it, it can be independent film as well is your film in it well no i didn't make anything big enough for them to okay know, nothing i ever made was ever released i'm not trying to i'm not trying to pick on you i'm just saying it's, there's got to be some place in there where but so it's got to be have a theatrical release and and that would be my understanding and, okay. and i don't have that in here with what their criteria is but okay it has to have been released it has to have been something that was consumed on a public basis okay so all of that's given because then they decide in roughly, I think it was 98, yeah, 98, that they were going to create lists of films to just say, here are the 100 best. Now, the first of those being the 100 movies. Right. They've gone on since then to have 100 laughs, 100 passions, 100 villains, 100 songs, 100 movie quotes, even going on to one of my favorite, the greatest movie musicals. However, what we're going to do is the list of 100 movies. And this comes about because of something Jeff kind of kicked at me earlier. <laughs> One day we're talking and he knows that I love Citizen Kane. It's amongst, I don't do favorites well. Uh, I, I will waffle on my favorites. I'll be in and out of love with things and think put something else up there. But Citizen Kane remains at the top because to a young kid who's trying to learn about film, my dad kept saying to me, you have to watch Citizen Kane at some point. Now, my dad does not love Citizen Kane. He said, you have to, because every book that you're going to read is going to tell you it's the greatest achievement. Hmm. Before I get into that, that's, that's where Jeff's kicking in this, the impetus for this came, because he kind of said overrated, as he did earlier. So I, what I wanted to do before we even get into any of the films next week was kind of say, here's the criteria, because that's what I tried to explain to Jeff that day was, yeah, but what you have to understand is this. They aren't just saying this was a box office smash. This was, I loved film. There's a real criteria behind this list. And they asked other scholars, they asked filmmakers, they asked people who basically were a part of the cinema world to contribute and vote on this list. They, they picked 400 films. And from that, these people could choose 100 and then they would rank those choices. But how much, how many of the common day movie goers like myself were were asked well none that's that's not what the american film institute does oh okay that's why this is more of a truly scholarly list is that they're going to ask people that have 
a deep understanding of film language, film history. Right, the dope BS. I got it. They got to have the. They got some. They got some street cred when it comes to what it takes to to make a movie. I, I get that. <laughs> they don't want them putting American Pie in the list. They want <laughs> okay. So when they, when they sent this out to them for the selection process, it had to be a fe- feature length film, a narrative film going over sixty minutes. They had to be an American film of English language uh, that says with a significant creative and or financial production elements from the United States, this U.S. only. Okay. You what, had to factor. Go ahead. I was just going to say, what, what does it mean by it has to be a narrative? Well, so you can have non-narrative films where it could be, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, you've got. Um, what about Santa Santa Scotzi or Anna Scotzi or whatever? Wasn't that one just a bunch of images and music put yeah. together? The, besides the fact it's not an American film, but that's a great example okay. of that. And I was thinking Andy Warhol made the the famous Empire State Building film that goes on for 24 hours or something like that, where it's just a shot of the the Empire State Building. <laughs> well, that was smart. They put that in there because then you'd have like you know the guy shooting the tomato plant, and then the other exactly. guy. Yeah. Okay. So it had to have a story. It had to be those kind of things. So on to that um, critical recognition. You had to factor in critical recognition. Now that if you listen to people, there are films in this that were not received well at the time they were released, including Citizen Kane. But Citizen Kane has reasons for not being received well when it was released. Um, Popularity over time, that includes box office adjusted for inflation, TV broadcast and syndication, video home sales and rentals. Mm, Okay. His historical significance, and this is where when we get to why Citizen Kane is at number one and has always been there, and when American film comes in, it will probably always be there. Okay. Historical significance of films mark on history of the moving image through the technical innovation, visionary narrative devices, or other groundbreaking achievements. So by that, did you do something to further film language? Did you do something to create a different approach, which is why Star Wars will rank very highly as well? Mm, okay. Cultural impact of films mark on American society and matters of style and substance. Once again, that plays massively into why Citizen Kane is number one. Okay. And then lastly, major award winner recognition from competitive events, including awards from organizations in the film community and major film festivals. So the Oscars are tied to it. Cause I was just going to say, I haven't heard you say the O word yet. They are. But once again, you're going to find Citizen Kane only won one Academy award. But it was probably so far ahead of its time technically that they didn't know how to recognize it. Well, and, and you know, I, I will touch on this. That that is a part of it. They didn't they were overwhelmed. They felt like he put too much on the screen. But it also has to do with his war with William Randolph Hearst, who Hearst basically told Hollywood, if you vote on that film for any awards, I'll I'll never let your shows be uh, your movies be seen in my movie theaters again. Right. And so there's there's a lot of that went into that. But those those are the major criteria for judging these films. Okay. So what I had kind of proposed to Jeff, we're obviously not gonna be able to touch on a hundred films. No. But what I'd hoped was this week or at some point Jeff can throw out I don't care, Jeff, you can throw out five to ten. I I'm not trying to be snotty. I've seen most of the films on the list. It may be years since I've seen some of them, but I've seen most of them. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? You've seen all the movies? I'm not saying that for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you want to run down when we do the 100 and go seen it or not, and we can do that and we'll run through 100. Well, but we should I, t- 
yeah, let's tally those ahead of time. But yeah, we'll, 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 that is good. I'm sure you. I'm sure you have a ton. I, I will look at it and see how many I've seen. But what I, I kind of threw to Jeff was go through there, and I don't care if you pick ten to twenty. We don't have to talk about each one. Um, but we can. Why is this film here? Why is yeah. it not higher? Why is this film that high and not lower? I'm happy to touch on any of those like that. And I, you know, I even I even throw it out there to the the kind listener too. Uh, you know, shoot us that email. Um, send us a, a, a tweet. Um, maybe if the, if you have a particular film on the uh, AFI 100 that you that you are passionate about or a question or whatever, because uh, you know the beautiful thing about this is you know Todd Todd actually has the education and the knowledge of why things are there, and and, and I get it. It's kind of a bit about throwing Citizen Kane underneath the bus. I've, I think I've seen it once. It was in high school where you know they're <laughs> watching a film on the awful TV that was provided by the AV club. Um, I'm sure that on a screen, uh, it probably has a little more uh, presence, if you will. Um, and, and and I am going to try and watch it this week because I, you know, as much as I like giving Todd a hard time about it, it's, it's more of a bit than anything else to, uh, uh, to, to uh, kick me in the balls, kick you, kick you in the balls, but at the same time, further my education, right? Because if you, sure. if you open your mouth and prove that you're an idiot and you have a, a kind friend, like, like Todd, then they take the time to kind of say, well, here, here, here's why we don't stick knives in electric sockets. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it because um, I'm sure there are elements, and especially just in the description that you just gave, it, it gives me a better understanding too, because there are films. Um, just watched uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and was, and we'll have to be honest and say, um, was surprised it's as high as it is on the AF1, uh, AFI list. Um, I particularly, you know, take away, there, there's sexism, there's racism that's very predominant, but it also was made in a different time. So I have to remove those portions of, of my my dislike for the movie. But all in all, just a story was uh, was non-existent. <laughs> um, I know it's you know a, a famous movie, so I think that's where some of the the really good in, uh, discussion and and everything will come from is is just kind of opening that. And I look forward to, along I'm sure the kind listener as well, look forward to learning and, and furthering our education a bit on the film because. It's easy to say, I watched this movie and I didn't like it. And people say, why? And you go, oh, it's just, it just sucked. It was awful. Um, and I hope uh, as all of us listen and, and, and learn from Todd that, that uh, you know, now when there's something that doesn't speak to you, um, we can be better equipped uh, knowledge-wise to say, well, um, you know, the story uh, seems slow and um predictable the dialogue seems like it was written uh without much care and um that they were just trying to show off you know blah 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 i'm making that up i'm not speaking about any particular film but i think that's you know always a good thing it's good to have it's good to have opinions and and critique things but it's it's even better when you can explain to others why because that's where the discussion happens if you just make a blatant blatant story that you don't like something or 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 don't like a film but but aren't able to, to to discuss or communicate why then it just kind of ends the conversation and 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 uh, nobody really gets anything out of it so i look forward to it too um of the what little i remember from the film <clears throat> um i can see more and more why um todd's right on on its placement and why it's there because it, it really did it was a whole new whole new uh subject matter uh technical way of shooting it 
Um, so yeah, I need to go back and revisit that and we'll, we'll start going through it. And I look forward to doing that. And I appreciate, uh, I know not all of the kind listeners, uh, uh, put the, you know, put the, uh, time and effort and money into college to learning all that. So we, we're going to enjoy just kind of, uh, gleaning that from you, Todd. And if I can, if I can throw, I'm going to throw two things to you. Cause you said you want to watch it before this week. Yes, sir. Before we record again. And we'll go through. I, I will do my best to get a true storied list of the innovations that are in that film and why it changed film language. Okay. Two things I want you to pay attention to. It's very famous that Orson Welles had done the War of the Worlds radio broadcast that scared America. Because of that, the studios went nuts and gave him a contract to come make movies. He took that aesthetic of the radio world and brought it to cinema. So he's the to, I, he's not the first sound thinker. But things I want you to notice, Jeff, while you watch, there's a famous scene where Charles Foster Kane is confronting a mob boss who's going to tell the world he's having an affair. When he goes and he tells, uh, I think it's boss Jim Geddes is the mob boss, and he says, I'll see you in Sing Sing, Sing Sing. And as he, the second time he says Sing Sing, the mob boss goes out, and the word Sing Sing then becomes the, a passing car horn. So it goes Sing Sing, bong. He blends the two together and that kind of hmm. taking sound, people didn't do that then. They didn't, th sound was simply sound. And he understood he could create a sound landscape. There's another scene where some, when he's trying to become elected, somebody in an alleyway is saying, and if you vote for Charles Foster King, blah, 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 and they start clapping and you hear one clap that is then dissolved into months later of a uproarious applause of many claps as he's on the stage saying, I think I'm going to win. Oh, wow. So using those kind of things, people are like, wow, I'd never thought like that before. So he's bringing that radio aesthetic. But the bigger thing that I don't think a lot of people think about, um, and I'd be interested to see a filmmaker like Quentin Tarantino, what he would say. Quentin Tarantino's approach to telling film stories, how they are very nonlinear, how they'll jump around, owes a huge nod to Citizen Kane because Citizen Kane begins with the event of the main character dying, and then they want to find out his life, and it jumps from person to person. Ah, Okay. It does not have a straight narrative. And so when you watch it, you're like, oh my God, this is Tarantino 101. So that created, at that time, stories were very, very straightforward. And the things I've talked about before were filmed, works on 30 minute increments and how it advanced the story. It's still there. And you can still, if you really search for it, find, yes, this changes something in their perspectives, et cetera. It's not as obvious. So those are just two examples. And when I say just two, there are a ton that I can go through of before this film this had never happened before this film this had never happened it's it is chock full of that type of stuff i'm almost sensing a uh, uh citizen minute possible project coming out of uh out of this that might be kind of fun to do i, I am so intimidated by that because there are so many i I'm are there a, a ton of people doing uh that that minute by minute not, not the minute by minute and, that, and some of the people in the minute by minute family have said someone should do it mm -hmm. but what i'm afraid of you know and yes roger ebert has passed away but he was in fact there's a feature commentary on the blu-ray where he speaks about it he was just a utmost historian of what it was he would go speak to film schools about the film uh peter bogdanovich who is a great filmmaker uh in his own life was a great film orson well fan of uh i'm sorry friend of orson wells and knows a ton about it so i would be petrified to go on and ever say that i knew anything about this film because there are other people that make me look like an idiot we'll so. just why we'll just call orson wells and have him on the show i mean that's well, easy if you can make that happen jeff i am on board okay well because the other thing is 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 this is the this is where i come in this is you know it's so great to have you on the show but this is where i bring my 
my worth is we do citizen by minute or minute mm-hmm. of citizen or whatever, however we want to do it, uh, a cane minute. Um, we also can reach out. I know that you're getting deeper into the community uh, of, of the minute by minute, so we, we can have guests on it too. But then if it bombs, you can just blame me and say, well, look what I had to work with. <laughs> I mean, the guy hates the film. All he wants to do is, is knock it. Um, but I'm ju- not beyond that idea, Jeff, and I would do that with you I'm, I, because I have so much admiration for this film. I'm going to be very picky about it. That's all I'll say. I, I, I think we should, you know, and of course the kind listeners like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think we should talk about that because yeah. I think we could line up some, some, some people and in, in, in the way the minute, minute by minute by minute podcasts are done a little bit different. You and I both know that from production in, but um, I'm, and I'll plug real quick. I'm listening to shining uh, 237, um, which is a, a great podcast where they break down the shining um, uh, two thirty, uh, two minutes and thirty seven seconds. Uh, every two thirty, two minutes and thirty seven seconds of film, um, and it starts out a little rough as as most do. Um, but the information is great, and the host and I can't remember her name. I'm sorry, um, but you can go to uh, theshining237.com and read all about it. Um, she has some really really good guests on, and I I bet we could do that. So it'll take some planning, but. I would be honored, and I think it would be something you would like to do, and I think you owe it to yourself because I, you, you give you, you, just like me, you don't give yourself enough credit. I think you would be an excellent person uh, to to lead that um, with a bumbling in it like myself, because you, the one thing you have to do when you're when you're going to go through that process is have respect and and know when to say you don't know, and that's yeah. the thing because there's a ton of people that go, you know could go out there and just say, oh yeah, I've got. 18 film degrees, you know, uh, and I've got all this knowledge and yes, I'm the expert, but what you bring to the table is that you would be open about it and be able to discuss it. And if it was something that you didn't necessarily know anything about, you would say, you know what? I am not sure. And that's what people want is they want that genuine type of, uh, relationship. So we'll see about it. We'll put, we'll put that on the back burner. I would, I would love to do it with you. I, I am open to discussing it. All right. Well, that Todd's teaches us about the AF100. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I, I just really wanted to set that table of here's who they were and here's why they did this so that we could have the conversation that started with Jeff playfully. <laughs> Dissing the, see, that's the way I go. I, I, if I'm going to fumble the football, I'm fumbling big. And if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to go after and say a movie's not good, I'm just going to be flat out ignorant and say, yeah, it's an awful movie. And the beautiful thing is, is just like any film, right? It's the it's the it's the character that says, "I'm I'm never gonna be a boxer or whatever." I, I don't know what accent that was, um, but then you know, through growth and everything, you know, ends up learning about. Because I think I'm gonna learn a little bit about myself and learn a lot about film by uh, by looking at that. So, thank you, Todd. Thank you for breaking that down, kids. Let's uh, you know, Todd. Let's let's give him a little round of applause there. There we go. All right, Todd teaches us about the AF, uh, the, ori- the uh, origin of AFI, and we're going to start talking about the AFI 100 list next week. Um, before we leave, and I know folks running on 123, I told you it's going to be a long show today, uh, we want to talk about the Fantasy Movie League, which makes me giggle because their app, when you download it on the phone, says FML, which for those of us uh, that are keeping up with a little bit of pop culture means F my life, but uh, you know, g- good for them. Um, so we have started, um, a fantasy movie league, 
with, with this company that has, has put this together. Um, and without getting into too much detail, we'll just give you the nuts and bolts. And then, um, if as always, if you guys have questions or need anything, email us, Jeff at the Other Kind Radio, Todd at the Other Kind Radio, uh, both.com, uh, or you can hit us on Twitter, and we'll be more than happy to talk to you. But basically, we have to invite you to this league. And here's a real brief um, overview of how the league works. Now, one thing that's great, and it's lo- located at fantasymovieleague.com. That's where you can go. They do, in their FAQ... They have a YouTube video you can click on that kind of talks about it. And it'll do a much better job than the limited time I have today to tell you about this uh, fantasy movie league. But here's the, the general gist of it. As Now, we have started our own league. Uh, it's TOK for the other kind radio. TOK Radio League. And we can send invites to anybody that, that wants to join. Um, and in this league, we will compete to have the most successful Cineplex. And the basics are this. You have eight screens in your Cineplex and a limited budget. Every week, and I think your picks have to be in before 9 a.m. Central um, Friday. So our league starts this next weekend. So if you want to sign up and join, make sure you do so before that. Um, and then you have to have your picks in. But basically you have, so just think of it as like a regular Cineplex. You have eight screens in your Cineplex. You want to put the most successful films that you think there are out there currently, and these are based off of of current movies. Otherwise, Todd would put Citizen Kane in all of his eight screens um, to generate the most revenue, right? But the catch is you have a limited budget of $1,000. So as you pick your movies to put on your screen, um, each one has a different value. So I'm trying to look right now like what, uh, what, oh, uh, so if you wanted to put um, Solo, a Star Wars story on one of your screens, the fantasy box is $271. So obviously if you wanted to just show that on all your screens or on five of them at least or close to five, um, uh, that would use up all your money. So um, each film, depending upon what they think the revenue is going to be, has a value. The goal is to fill all eight screens with enough of the big hits and some smaller ones that you've created the right uh, formula, if you will, to generate the most money. One other thing to note as you're putting this together is... Let's say you were just going to show Han Solo or Solo on three screens and not show anything on your uh, following screens. Each screen you leave blank, you lose a credit of $2 million. So, you know, if you if you just wanted to show three movies, three big movies, you would be taking a hit on all your blank screens. Um, and so the way that the leader or the winner of the week is determined is basically... Um, depends upon how much money that movie made. Now, it's looking like Solo did $18.2 million May 25th through the 28th. So obviously, if you had that showing on two of your screens, it would be close to $40 million that those two screens would pull in. So it's not you know, fantasy football where you're betting on a player. It's you're betting on a movie, and you're hoping that that movie generates enough money that can collectively you 
have the most uh, revenue driven or the, I, I just call it points, points rev, uh, generated. I know that was a lot to kind of go through and I recommend you watch the video. Um, Todd, I mean, you just heard me go through all that. Does that seem somewhat clear? Is there anything else that you want to add to it? No, I think you do. did a pretty good job of explaining it. Okay. So, um, obviously, um, go to fantasymovieleague.com uh, to get more familiar with it. And if you want to join, just hit us up on Twitter. Um, we're Talk Radio. Um, or you can email us uh, as well. I am going to try and put something up on the main webpage. Um, and, and we've got some people that are interested. And, and I'll send you basically a link with the password and everything to join and we'll see what happens. Um, my initial thoughts are that Todd's going to just destroy everybody, but, uh, I'm going to do my best to try and, uh, uh, at least make it a good game, so to speak. So, um, I, it'd be great if you guys joined us for that. Uh, it's the fantasy movie league. Again, if you're interested, uh, make sure you email us Jeff at the other kind radio.com Todd at the other kind radio.com or hit us up on Twitter, which is T O K radio, which stands for the other kind radio. All right. So you got nothing else you want to add to that at all. Do you want to have any smack talk or anything? I am always dubious when you start throwing out these Todd's going to kill us garbage. Yeah. Mr. Uh, 18 out of 24 on the Oscars. Mm -hmm. go, no, please go ahead. That's that's entirely different than how much money something's going to make because I do think that part of the ruining of film is this how obsessed we are with how much something's made at the box office. Oh man, well we can we'll do we'll see how much that affects if it turns out to be something that nobody's really interested in or something no. you're against. Yeah, well I get that now. I didn't think about that. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I, I the reason I said that was that a lot of times I look at and I can't accurately predict it. Now what I find fun. And what I've even thought is I'm going to try to find the things like a quiet place that will make a ton of money that no one expected. There you go. I wonder if that's how you can really win this game. The sleeper. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Todd's in the process of signing up. I'm signed up. So again, contact us, let us know, and we'll get you included. Uh, and if you don't make it this week and you want, still want to join, I mean, you know, it's just for fun. Uh, we, I figure we'll get, uh, I think of the each season is season is just a couple of weeks. So we can always have kind of a test run and then, and then we'll do something. Maybe Todd and I'll put up something for a prize, uh, for the uh, best kind listener, uh, who wins. So, uh, fantasy movie league, make sure you check it out. All right. I think we've reached the point where, uh, we're, we're, I think we're done for the week. Um, Todd, I'll, I'll let you have any final word here that you, you want to, any, any thoughts you want the kind listener to walk away with? Uh, the, the final thoughts is go watch these 100 films. Let us know what you like, what you think, but remember this film is incredibly subjective. Even with what we're going to talk about, it's subjective. If you like it, it's just like with Jeff's songs early on in this. If you like it, like it, who gives a crap? what anyone else says about it if it speaks to you it speaks to you that's all that i want to say well said and 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 just i think todd gave me the same uh patent type speech when it came to doing this podcast i had been waffling for so long for doing it and uh he's like who cares if uh you know um it's you know just don't do it because you want people you know you based on the fact of whether or not people are going to like it just do it and if people like it then people will like it so well said better than what i just said um but on that note um we thank you for joining us for the last hour and a half 
Um, hopefully you got a few things out of here. Hey, make sure if you're uh, listening to us on uh, iTunes to, uh, if you don't mind, subscribe. It's free. And if you want to throw us a couple stars on our rating, that would be great. We're also available on Stitcher, um, as well as all of our stuff is hosted on SoundCloud. I know I've said it a couple times already, but I'll say it again. If you need to contact us, it's very easy. Info at the Other Kind Radio, Jeff at the Other Kind Radio, Todd at the Other Ti- uh, Kind Radio, all.com. And uh, I'm going to get, uh, I need to get the dust off uh, the VHS or whatever's available. However, you can get Citizen Kane. I might have to. I might have to uh, get, get my old film projector out uh, and check that out. Till then, have a good week. Thanks for listening. We are the other kind radio. The other kind radio.